Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast. I'm Noops, and joining me as always from across the country, uh, it's the middle of the day today, we didn't have to get him up at the crack of dawn. How's it going, Spread? I'm doing great. Uh, sunny outside, beautiful day in California. Well, it's good to have you focused on tennis. You've been doing a great job writing NBA previews, so make sure you're following him on Twitter. It's Spread Astaire if you're into the NBA playoffs. What do you think, Jorge? Did you get a chance to read any of uh, Spread's playoff stuff yet? I have, I have, and uh, I do have to say while we're on NBA playoffs before we get into tennis, go Nuggets, the uh, big Game 7 win for them, so uh, shout out to, to D-Money, our buddy who's a Spurs fan, we got you, you suck, um, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> well, now that we've had that brief respite into the NBA, let's jump into tennis, we have two pretty interesting tournaments this week, we'll start with um, the tournament in Istanbul where Marketa Vondrusova won the first set in the final 6-1, and then pretty much got smoked from there on out uh, by Petra Martic. Um, I know, unfortunately, not too many of us got a chance to see the final yet, but um, were you guys surprised by the result? Uh, I would say I would be su- I'd surprised at the, maybe the scoreline. Uh, I'm not surprised it went three. Martic is a very talented uh, player. I did have Vondrasova to win in a parlay. I didn't want to, to play the spread just in case it was close. Uh, but I thought she might have been a little bit better, and and uh, her her ability to 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 hit to both sides uh, accurately and with depth off both wings might have been an advantage. But um, yeah, certainly not not surprised that she lost per se. Perhaps by the scoreline, I would I would think is uh, is the more surprising part. Yeah, that was yeah. I kind of chalked that up to age there with um, Vondrasova still learning and Martich being a little more of a veteran. I think she was able to. Uh, hang on and handle the moment a little better. So it wasn't that surprising to me. I thought if Andrasova wins, she kind of blew her off the court, kind of like the way she did to uh, Stritzova. But uh, in the closer match, you know, I thought that Mardich had the veteran experience and uh, really showed through here today. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, having the more veteran player win in three sets. But definitely the uh, the sixth one there at the end is, is pretty surprising. But good week for both. Oh, it's a long week for Vondrasova, you know. I mean, I, I mean, she well, used really. to play like this. She, she, she um, I was, I think I wrote about it earlier today. She only spent five hours on the courts, basically, versus Martich, who played about nine hours, including a 52-minute match that was a retirement. So um, I think she yeah, should have been Yeah, but mentally. Fresh. You know, it's a, she had a lot of tough matches, even though she was rolling through. You know, it was the first time that she really had some sort of resistance here. Yeah, definitely. That was her, her, the toughest match in the final. Um, what did you think of uh, Kiki Mildenovich this week, Spread? Is the new coach making a difference? <laughs> yep, it looks like it. I think that I've been underrating coaching. I'm definitely making a effort to try and uh, look into that a little more. And I think that you could really see the difference here in her confidence and and strategies, and I'm going to be looking forward to backing here a little more until the books catch up because uh, I, th- I thought she looked really impressive. I think you strengths that. I don't know how much you would rate her form right now, but she's still a good player, and that was a good win. Um, and then, you know, she lost to the eventual champion, Petra. And, and that Petra Martich match, by the way, I think I watched in its entirety, was a battle. Uh, I think it was three hours, 19 minutes for a three-setter. It's, it's, you know, not unprecedented, but but very, very rare. Um, the, her ball striking and the consistency with it, the lack of netted balls, the lack of sailing or, or pulling them wide was, 
was very impressive. And I think with her, we've always said it's been mental, right? Her game's always been there. And I think that's what, you know, Sasha Bajin or Bajin has been known for uh, wherever or whoever he's coached is, you know, building up that mental side of the game. And I don't know, but if Naomi Osaka doesn't doesn't show up at, at the next two or three Grand Slams, there might be some major questions about regret uh, letting him go because she won back-to-back slams with him in her corner. She has not looked the same since. Um, even even this week, and we'll get I know we'll get to the, the recap in a bit, but her loss this week, or her win, sorry, she withdrew this week, but even her win against Vekic, um, sorry to remind you about this, Noopsy, I know this one hurts, but <laughs> I think she was 5-1 up, 5-1 uh, down with Vekic serving, 5-1, yep. 30 love in the third set. She was two points away from losing that 6-1. So, I mean, even her wins right now aren't nearly as convincing as they were. Uh, that's definitely something to watch for. And, and Mladenovic was very impressive this week. Yeah, she was. And I think there's something to say for discomfort actually helping athletic performance. I know that she wasn't comfortable with Sasha towards the end, uh, but sometimes that friction can help, you know, drive a player. And I'm wondering if this is the case here. Obviously, you know, we're reacting pretty fast. And if she turns around and has a great performance at the French, which, you you know, she doesn't have high expectations because she's never been really that good on clay to begin with. But, I mean, this could all go out the door really quickly. But we will be asking those questions if uh, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, we don't get a good performance. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's a really interesting case study. We've had a couple big coach moves this year, and um, the variances have been pretty sharp in performance. And, and Mildenovic looks like she's definitely headed in a positive direction. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more, more about Osaka in a few minutes, oh. who seems to be heading in the other direction. One one quick um, uh, note on coaching as well, and, and I think that what Spread said I, I, I would agree with to a certain extent. I think coaching is underrated with top-tier coaches. I don't think a lot of us underrate um, in our handicapping of the sport. I don't think a lot of us underrate coaching, say, for like, you know, the, the, the 20th best coach. I think where it makes a difference is when you have a Kamau Murray, you know, maybe then you have to kind of uh, alter your inputs on all Monica Puig matches in your model or in the way you assess or your system to handicap. Same thing goes here with Sacha Bain. I think it's clear that these guys are the level of coaches that uh, do factor in and, and do play a role in their player's success. I wouldn't say all coaches are like that, but I, I think that spreads right at the top at the top tier. Uh, you definitely have to account for that when you're when you're when you're handicapping your matches. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, looking through the rest of the tournament here, another disappointing week for Carla Suarez Navarro. Uh, doesn't seem to be that she's very good at tennis anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, Jorge, spread anything else to add or talk about? Anybody else stand out to you last week in Istanbul? I think Kuznetsova's coming back okay. I mean, she lost to Vondrasova, but Vondrasova played great that match. And, um, you know, this is her second tournament back, but I think that we're going to have to keep an eye on her going forward as well. Yeah, former world number mm-hmm. two. Good to see her back and playing well. Um, but nothing else there. How about you, Jorge? Uh, Margarita Gasparian. Very nice week for her. Not so nice to my bankroll. Um, <laughs> I had Buzarnescu big and Kudermatova big uh, against her. Luckily, this week still ended way up uh, because of what we're about to talk about in a few seconds. But she did not help. Uh, she was the, the resistance in me kind of building the bankroll, if you will, this week. Uh, very nice week from her. Um, Kudamertova, just far too many errors. She was she was the aggressor. She was, you know, match on her racket. But from the start, I turned it off. Um, 
uh, at two love in the second set. You just knew she wasn't digging out of that hole, and uh, and, and you can see why. And then you know the retirement to Mardich, but um, that's that's a good week on clay for Gasparian to make a semifinal of the WTA event. I don't think she could be disappointed with that. I'm mostly just disappointed she ruined the uh, closest chance I think I've ever had ah. in my lifetime <laughs> to the 12 break set. We had 11 breaks going into um, six five, the hardest game oh. to hold serve in the history of of tennis. You know, I think essentially the last 8,000 women that have been serving at 6-5 <laughs> have been broken roughly. Um, Gasparian holds to blow the 12 breaks, but um, you know, it's, I think I'll get over that, unfortunately. But you know, let's go, jump into Stuttgart and have a little bit of a victory lap here, as we had two outright picks in the final. Petra Kvitova beat, um, I'm sorry, beat Annette Contivate, whose name I can't find for some reason, um, in the final today in two in two sets. But we didn't really care. Um, we had Kvitova at seven to one. We had Contivate at twenty eight to one. So it was a, a wonderful watch if you got up early enough. Um, Kvitova looked really good, and Contivate gave her a hell of a second set that. T- uh, the tiebreaker was pretty quick, but the set itself was pretty entertaining. Um, so, what do you what do you guys think? Um, excited for Kvitova to be number two. Um, you guys enjoying watching me bet Contivate over and over again? What do you think, Jorge? <laughs> can uh, can can we just look at Petra Kvitova's results now um, for for a second? She has had one hell, and I mean, last year the story was: can you believe the success she's had? You know, coming back from such a gruesome injury, and it was it was a really gruesome injury, you know, but not a particularly great end of the season after the semifinal in Cincinnati. But 2019, goodness, she's 24 and six this year. It's ridiculous. Uh, and she made the final of the Aussie, of course, and and pushed Osaka to the limit in a in a classic. Won Sydney. Uh, she went to the final of Dubai. She went to the quarters in Miami. Now she won Stuttgart. These are all premier events or above, like either premieres, premier mandatory, premier five, or slams. Those are the events that I mentioned, all of them. Um, she's not playing any internationals, and she's still got, uh, what is it, two titles, two finals, and another quarter. That's insane. Or two quarters, sorry. St. Petersburg, she had a bye and then won her uh, match against Vika, and then to the quarters there. So she's looked really good. What do you think, Spread? Is there any woman in the world that you would make favorite over Petra Kvita in a tennis match if it were tomorrow? I mean, if it was tomorrow, I'd assume they'd still be on clay, so... So yep. Tamara Zidancic. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Petra's looking good. we got to remember the indoor um, clay helped her out here. It'll be interesting to see when she goes to the actual like, slow clay on how she's able to play, but I mean, I'm gearing up. If she can keep this form... When the clay season's over, I'll probably bet on her more than anyone else. Yeah, absolutely incredible start to the season for her. Um, what else I mean, in this form, we'd almost have to like favor her for Wimbledon. I know we gave out Zidanezic earlier. It might be time to look for some Kvitova Wimbledon odds right now. That's not a bad idea. We'll, we'll flip, flip through that and maybe hit that at the end here. Um, what else did you guys see in, in Stuttgart last week? What stuck out to you, Spread? Well, I had a question for Jorge. We talked about coaching earlier. Um, how do you rate Contavite's coach Nigel Sears? Because I think he's pretty good, but I've seen a lot of people don't really rate him that highly. Well, I think he's pretty well respected in the community. I think you know everyone knows the name Nigel Sears um, within the tennis community. But uh, I mean, you, you can't say he's doing a poor job. She seems to be getting better and better incrementally every single year. Um, this is you know one of the better runs she's ever had. Uh, that serve, her first serve is, is so big. I mean, 
we saw this year, um, as much as Noops is in denial, that on hard courts, that you know, you knew she was going to eventually <laughs> be good on hard courts because of her first serve, uh, and she moves decently well. Um, she just was ne- she was never used to it, right? She still had to get acclimated, and now that she has, you can see she's going to be a and you know what? I'm going to use this word: an elite hard court player in the future. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, no, I think that yeah, you can't you can't discredit her coach or, or say he's not done anything but a good job because I mean she's improved across surfaces year to year. There's hasn't been regression. I think those are all the the signs you want to see. Well, let's hope he sticks with her for a while because this coaching carousel is really messing up my handicapping. <laughs> all right, flipping through the field, just looking for some other names that stick out. Kiki Burton's had a nice week, made it to the semifinals, lost to Kavitova. Um, Sevastova looked pretty solid. Um, she actually took Kvitova to three sets. That's probably the toughest match that Kvitova really had in the entire tournament. Um, anything else stick out to you, Jorge? Well, uh, on that Sevastova note, um, yeah, and I and you saw the handshake at the net with Ostapenko after she bangled her in the third set in the first round. <laughs> Penko was not happy with her. I, I think that she was a little upset that she skipped Fed Cup when she clearly was not that hurt. Her shoulder was was clearly okay or well enough to play um, and, you know, beat Ostapenko and then challenge Kvitova, who ended up winning the tournament. So, yeah, I, I can see why Ostapenko was a little upset. And it kind of, you know, the one thing that betters don't realize is these players don't live to make us happy and make us money, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it did kind of upset me too, not upset at her, but just upset at kind of overreading um, that situation. And it, it lost me uh, money on the first round. Um, but she clearly wasn't hurt. So I think that that's something to note um, going forward, especially when you're handicapping uh, Prague. This, I think she's in Prague, uh, Prague this week. Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about her when we get into the, the upcoming week. Anything else you want to touch on in Stuttgart, Fred? Yeah, I had a couple I want to touch on. Real quick, this one I didn't have uh, a point I wanted to make, but another question because I haven't been handicapping her very well. What do we make of Vika's performance? Because uh, she looked pretty strong. I'm kind of riding her off, but uh, she's looking like she's close to turning to her top level form. So, so I guess what I would ask even to you guys is: being indoors help her a lot. Um, yes. You know, does she really play this way on true clay? Because you know, I was against her a couple times this week. Because you go back and look, she doesn't have any sort of clay history, even when she was in her top peak level, you know, top five in the world player. Um, she still struggled on clay. So I, I was really surprised to see that this week. I don't know if you had any thoughts, Jorge. Yeah, I mean, she beat Vera Zvonareva, who actually pushed her seven five six four. I had plus three and a half games when I faded her there, um, lost by the hook. Zvonareva is not an elite clay player. She was a lucky loser. Uh, I think she lost to Mandy Manella in final round in final round of qualies. I'm not positive though. Um, then she beat Pliskova, who actually won the first set and just looked horrible um, in the second and third. It was a lot of simple, what looked like mental mistakes. And then of course she got beat by Contivate. Um, but that first set might have been Vika's best set of the tournament. Uh, that first, no, sorry, that second. The second set against Contuate, which is ironic because she won the first set, lost the second, but I think she was better in the second. Um, but she was up 5-3 and then lost six straight or seven straight games before retiring. So it was uh, at, at 7-5-5-3. That was when I think she looked her best. She was really ripping the ball. But you could see that it was, it was you know, the speed of the court was helping her. Um, I might look to play her a match or two in Madrid because of the, the, the servers are helped out there. Uh, people like Kvitova, 
uh, Contivate, uh, Karolina Pliskova, maybe Azarenka in, in their in their first match of the tournament. Um, but I wouldn't look at her uh, for Roma Roland Garros, put it that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you had one more spread? Well, a couple more, and these are just more fade alerts here of people that I backed a lot last year that don't seem to have the form this year, and that's Elise Mertens and Yulia Gorgas. Um, both of them not the same player they were last summer when we were making a lot of money backing them. Yeah, I, th- I think um, we're going to have an interesting conversation about Mertens in a little bit, so let's tuck that one away. Right, anything that, that anything away. to add on, on Gorgeous, Jorge? No, she, she's, yeah, she's clearly just doesn't have it right now. Yeah, it's it's been a tough year for her, and it's, this is not her best surface, so not a surprise. All right, anything else in Stuttgart before we jump into the next week? Let's no, I'm in. ready to awesome. go with Prague. One All of my right. favorite cities, by the way. Oh, really? One of your favorite cities? That did, you know, we'll Prague, Barcelona, Lisbon. Prague, Barcelona, and Lisbon. That's an yeah. interesting list, but it's pretty solid. And Estoril's at... this week for the men, too. This is like two of my favorite cities. Uh, Estoril's like 20 minutes outside by train of Lisbon, right? It's very, very close, or half hour. Yeah, um, what are you still doing in Canada? Get on a plane. Get out there. <laughs> Prague is going to be one of my first repeat cities that I go to in Europe. I'm going to go for uh, this tournament one year in the spring. Looking back at past champions, Petra Kvitova beat Buzarnescu last year. We had Barthel beat um, Pliskova, the lesser, actually, in 2017. Lucy Safarova in 2016 over Stoser. And Pliskova, the greater, uh, beat Lucy Radetska, maybe, is how you say that? What do you think, yep, Jorge? Yep, you got hey, it. That's pretty good. That's bingo for me, basically. Um, <laughs> so, you know what? Actually, and I'll start with this. Jorge, what are the odds that we see a Pliskova-Pliskova final? Uh, zero, I guess. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I do want right. to. I do want to say though, before we get into this, and for all our listeners uh, that have made it this far into the recording, be very, very aware of the qualies entry list for Madrid. Um, a lot of these players, uh, especially when they're going into a, a Premier Five or Premier Mandatory, where there's a lot more uh, money and, and more ranking points up for grabs, and they're only two matches away from the main draw, they will not, let per, I, I don't want to say tank per se, but they won't be giving 100% to win this tournament and lose out on the chance at playing Madrid. There are no special exempts in Madrid. So if you don't make qualies and you're not on the entry list for direct acceptance, you are not playing. So um, go over all of your, like this is especially pertinent to outright picks. Individual picks, you know, you can you can wor- not worry about their first match or two if they play Monday and Wednesday. You can you can back them, but do not back on outright someone like Marketa Vondrasova, who is first of all her price is only six to one. Second of all, she's coming off a really long week and travel. Third, um, as of right now, I didn't see her name when I control F'd it on tennisteen.it. That's my resource for entry lists. She's not on the the direct acceptance, so if she has to play qualies. She will not be trying to win uh, and back up her, her finals appearance from last week. So that's that's something to note um, ahead of placing any outright wagers. Yeah, that's a great point. Be sure to have those lists in front of you. And we'll be trying to talk that out and, and put it in some of our tweets and some of my daily stuff. But as you're doing your own handicapping, be very aware of what player schedules look like. Um, you know, you said Von Dersova, So let's do this a little backwards, Jorge. Let's start in the bottom. Um, we've got Von Dersova there. She's got kind of a ridiculous price at, at what was it, 6-1. to one. So there must be some value in the bottom. What do you think? Yeah, I'm glad you went to the bottom first. For me, I'm not placing anything in the top half. Karolina Pliskova looks like she's going to cakewalk to the final. 
um, at least by my assessment, if she wants to, <laughs> if she wants to play a long week before Madrid. That's the other question about uh, about the other end of it, not the, the people that are in, do they want to play a whole week? Um, but it's her home tournament, easy draw, her price sucks. So I, I'm going to look at the bottom half where we have uh, a few qualifiers and lucky losers in, in Von Dressova's section. So I think she might win a couple matches. Um, but if you, if you do have to pick, I'd go to the bottom and I'd, I'd look at someone um, like, honest, honestly, uh, Danielle Collins, if I place a bet, and I know it seems almost counterintuitive or, or you know, the, the clay success isn't there, but outside of a potential quarterfinal with, with Sevastova, um, you know, Kristina Pushkova, Vikolintseva, Muchova, Strichkova, and Brady in her section do not scare me. The top half, or the, the third quarter, is Vondrasova, Gaspar Yanov, a long week without much clay pedigree, uh, Kyung Wong and, and, and no one else. Like maybe even Mandy Manella as a huge long shot uh, comes through here. But this, if you're going to play Prague, this is the one where you put, a, you know, two quarter unit wagers on high odds players um, or like a half unit on a Danielle Collins. And that's what I'm going to be doing because outside of Sevastova, whose price I can't, I can't back, um, uh, I can't see anyone else in the bottom half that, you know, she's not the best clay player, but she can really hit. She can... Uh, dictate points and I don't see anyone else here who's going to stop her so yeah I like that breakdown I think 12 to 1 for Kirk Collins is just about right I'll be thinking about is, that waffling back and forth um is it you, uh, 12 that's what I saw I'm looking at bet 365 it's 12 to 1 right there so there might be some better numbers oh. somewhere else I'm sure there might be a 15 somewhere yeah I thought um, I saw a 15 last night but it's down to uh 13 now at Unibet so Okay, we'll keep looking around. There are some better prices. What do you think, Spread? Anybody in the bottom half that sticks out? Not really. Honestly, from an outright perspective, I do not like this tournament too much. I think that they, the favorites do have a good chance here, but they, you know, they're way too cheap on the prices. So, it's yeah, I don't really see a lot that I like here on the bottom half. The bottom uh, half's really tough. You I re- think... I think, yeah, the, the, that quarter unit on Manella might be uh, how I approach the bottom half, honestly. Or like a two-tenths of a unit, something very, very low risk. Just someone who, who's decent on clay. Um, and that, you know, that it's, it's a void draw of a lot of clay talent. Like, there's very little clay talent in this draw. Yeah, it's, do we, any chance either one of you have the qualifier list in front of you? I'm curious if there's any good names because no. there's three qualifier spots here in the bottom half. Thank you. And that's the other thing I wanted to say. Qualifying doesn't end because it's three rounds until tomorrow. Um, so that kind of sucks. But Iga Swiatek is, is in the qualifying draw. And that is going to pose all sorts of problems for your handicaps uh, of this tournament. Um, she is an extremely talented player. And against a field like this, I would actually look to w- uh, wait, at least for those who have o- access to offshores and daily updates and odds and availability i would look to uh to when she gets placed in the draw and i'd better regardless i don't care what qualifier lucky loser spot she ends up in either she's in the second quarter or the third quarter uh the second quarter buzarnescu's out of form and no one else scares me um outside of maybe kuznetsova and the third quarter is void of anyone but vondrasova off a long week in travel so 
Yeah, I like I like that a lot. I think um, I'm definitely going to wait to look for a qualifier. That's kind of why I would stay away from Manella. Wang's Wang's not too bad on on the on clay, but nothing really in the bottom half for me. Um, Collins at twelve to one is probably just about right. If you get fifteen to one, that might be interesting. Um, let's jump up into the top half. So, if you had to choose between Wang and Collins for the outright, who do you ta- who do you like there? Because I know Jorge said Collins, Collins, but I think I'd prefer Wang. Really, I mean, yeah. Wang has a little bit easier draw because she gets seven over a round later, but. They still have to play. One of them still got to beat Sevastova, I think, to get through. So I don't know if playing her earlier is better because she's maybe looking forward to the next week or, or waiting later. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I, but Collins, I just think is maybe a little better here. Yeah, I saw this. I saw this draw, and then I looked at the prices, and I thought, boy, it's tough to make a case for a lot of players um, or for anyone, but a, like you know, a Pliskova versus Sevastova final with perhaps Buzarnescu. You know, redlining with her ability on the clay for a week and and coming through. There's there's really only a, a, like two players I can really make a case for, and they're the favorites. And I hate tournaments like that. So if you want to play anything here, um, I'm probably not going to advise anything on my VIP page. Um, so if you do, wait till the qualifiers are placed and find one of the the 50, 50 to one or better numbers like a a Vogela or a, a Manella or someone that, you know, has half a brain on clay and can maybe make a run at a title before a, a big week in Madrid. All right, so in that top half, we've got Carolina Pliskova that kind of messes everything up. So I'll just throw this out. The one name that stuck out to me, I saw Krunic at 40-1. to 1. She hasn't played much this year. This will be her first match on clay, but she's had some really good clay performances. And, you know, like you were talking about, Jorge, that quarter is pretty wide open. She's going to have a qualifier, you know, that might be Swiatek. If it's not, that's an easy match. Maybe Schmedlova or Kuzmova in the second round. Then who knows what Buzarnescu looks like. But um, any interest in that at 40-1? to 1? No, I'd prefer Stephanie Vogel, who's got a, not an easy, but a fairly straightforward first match. And then, you know, Sinyakova, who hasn't really strung two wins together in a while. And then, you know, you're taking your chances in the quarters that maybe Pliskova is, you know, in a look-ahead spot to a to a big uh, event that plays well to servers. I, I almost wonder if maybe opposing Pliskova in a, with a, you know, from a look-ahead angle um, might be the right play. And I think Vogela is probably the one in this half that if I chose one, it would be her um, more so than Krunich. Yeah. What do you think, Spread? Anything in the top half you like? Yeah, I mean, I think this tournament is tough from an outright perspective because obviously the favorites look so good, but with Madrid coming up next week, how many players are looking forward to it, like you said? I mean, it's Pliskova even going to be that upset if she loses the quarters here and gets some time to just head over there and get some rest in. Exactly. And that's so, the one that's the one event that plays best to her style of game of all the right. major clay events. So I'm actually surprised she's in it after playing last week, but you know, maybe she's on the Dominic team uh, scheduling program here. <laughs> that um, too. Another great point. This is her home tournament. She's probably only playing cuz she's a Czech woman. Um and does she really want to play three straight weeks? Yeah. And a four because Rome is the week after Madrid, like, you know, I think she has to prioritize a bit here. Maybe pull the Roger Federer energy conservation and. Well, she didn't really play last week. She had a bye and then lost her lost first her round first match. match. But it's the travel too. You know, you're going four countries in four weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder how far Stuttgart is from Prague, but um, it, you're right. It's her home tournament. I, I think she probably cares about that. I, I don't know. Um, I I do like. It's one of the reasons I did like Krunich. I figure like. 
I'm just looking for somebody who's definitely going to be trying to win this tournament all week because they're not thinking about next week at all. And and see, that's I agree with that. That's why that's why I think I like the going with the high odds um, for people that are, you know, half decent on clay. And I think I'd rather go Vogela for that reason as well. Buzarnescu is going to be infinitely more motivated uh, to gain some form, pick up some wins, and pick up a title than I think Pliskova in that top half. And Krunic is in her quarter, whereas Vogela might get that you know, 20%, 30, 35% chance that uh, push comes on the look ahead. And I think that uh, she's got an easier path to the semis from a motivational standpoint. Yeah. yeah, I'm seeing this draw way different than you guys. I like, if Krunich advances past the qualifier, which, if, like Corey said, if she gets Master Sweet attack, I don't even think she can, she, she doesn't make it out of the first round. Then I like, if she does face Kuzmova, I kind of like Kuzmova over Krunich there, just off recent form. And um, looking up here at the top, <laughs> Buzernesco, I know she's trying to find her form, but I actually prefer Kuznetsova there. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a whole lot of uncertainty, and I think that's why I'm probably going to stay away from um, tipping it on my VIP, VIP account overall. Other than, I will be on Sviatik. Um, I know it'll be eight matches in, I think, ten, or they started Saturday Sunday, Monday, and then she'll play Wednesday. Yeah, she'll be playing, I think, eight matches in the span of nine days, but she's a teenager. Um, she's very good on clay. And I think that this draw sets up perfectly. So I think that's my one thing. I don't have numbers for anyone. Uh, none of us have any numbers right now because she's still playing qualifying. Um, but if listeners want to want to tail anything that I'll be on, it will be uh, a Sweatek ticket if her odds are 10 or better. And 10 in European odds is 9 to 1 or better, um, plus 900 for the Yanks, or better. <laughs> All that's right. where I'll be. All right, well, I think that's enough outright talk for now. It's kind of a tough market. Um, so let's jump into some first-round matchups here. I'm looking at Danielle Collins, minus 160 to Jennifer Brady. Um, that looks kind of cheap. What do you think, Jorge? Um, I think that's CLV. Uh, she was minus 140 last night. Beautiful. Um, well, she. I think she opened around minus 130, uh, and then got bet down. And then Why I would she open it. so close? I don't know. Maybe I mean, is it just, just Brady beating Garcia and now Pin she's Pinnacles, the best player in the world? Uh, Pinnacle's done this a few times this week um, with, you know, uh, the kid in Munich, Rudolf Moliker. They opened him at, uh, I think, plus 105, and now he's down to minus 135. They've, Pinnacle has been surprisingly off with their openers this week. Um, so... I think that they're just their bookmakers are having. I think bookmakers have a tough time, and I've always said this: Grand Slams are the toughest markets to beat. It's just like the Super Bowl is going to be a tougher market to beat than you know Week Two, or or the NFL in general is just tougher to beat than than other sports. It, they're so sharp at the time of Grand Slams, um, and the media reports on injuries and travel, and it's it's all over, right? They're all rested. There's no travel angle. Um, I think that these tournaments are much harder for bookmakers to line because they don't know as much about some of the players. And there's nine, there's, I think there's nine tournaments this week, two WTA, two ATP, and five challengers. So there's, there's hundreds of matches this week that they are going to have to line. And I think that's why we see so many more mistakes at, uh, at these smaller events. Yeah, and to your point, the handle is probably so low that even if they... Line they move. Along. They're not even taking that big a loss. And and the move, yeah, the, the lines move so much faster because there's less uh, liquidity in the market, right? Right. 
I still think I like Collins at minus one sixty though. That's not too yes, bad. Yes, I, I still think that's that's a playable price. Uh, uh, right. dude, do you have Collins clay numbers? That's the only thing I was thinking. Would it be just like this, a, uh, a huge clay disparity where Brady's has great numbers on clays and Collins? No, doesn't? Brady's terrible. Um, Brady's terrible on clay. Yeah, Brady's that's terrible. what I thought in my head. I was just wondering maybe six, the numbers. Six and seven. So Brady's essentially done nothing at the WTA level except lose. She's 0-6, I think, the last two years. 6-7 and seven at lower levels. You know, minus game averages, of course, all over the place. Collins. Collins last year only much. lost to yeah, top two and 50 three. players. Right, she was 2-3 and three on clay, but against a really good competition. That's um, not including qualies either. She beat right. Camila Georgie in Rome qualies, which is a decent win. Right, 20-6 and six at lower levels with a plus 3.2. So, you know, some pretty decent numbers. I think she's clearly the, the just the best. I would say she's a better player in general, not at, even more yeah. so on clay. I think I think the talent gap actually in uh, grows wider on clay between these two. Not because Collins is a world beater, because Brady's just not that good. She doesn't move well. She's serve-oriented. Um, the only players that beat... Collins last year on clay were Sastovich, Kasatkina, Kyong Wong, and Wozniacki. I think those are all top 50 players, top 40 players even. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, those are not Jennifer Brady types. You know, she beat Sori Kirstea, who probably beats Brady on clay. She beat Georgie, who's better than Brady on clay. Uh, Joanna Larson she beat, and I'll bet you Larson would contest with Brady on clay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, whether it's statistics, matchup, uh, history, whatever, I, I, I don't see how... Collins isn't minus two fifty here. This is a that's a huge mistake. Yeah, I, I think I think I like I think I'm going to be all over that. Um, next match I was looking at Buzarnescu's playing Kuznetsova. Um, I'm seeing Buzarnescu about minus one thirty five. Kuznetsova right around plus one hundred. Um, so Kuznetsova getting some respect here on the comeback trail. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, I would agree. I th- I like Kuznetsova in this match. Buzarnescu hasn't shown me that much this year. I know that. You know, Clay is her surface, but, you know, I know she was playing so great going into that injury, and I think she's had she's had problems kind of finding her form here and there. Now, if she won, would I be completely surprised? No, but I like Kuznetsova in this match. What do you think, Jorge? Is this a cheap price on the comeback? No, I'm going to I'm gonna pass on it. I don't – Buzarnescu's thrown – giving me fits this year, trying to handicap her matches. She's more than capable of winning it. Uh, Kuznetsova's more than capable of winning it. They both like the dirt. Um, uh, for me, I'm just going to pow. I'll be watching it. That's for sure. Uh, should be a great match, but um, I'm not going to bet it, no. Okay, flipping down a little bit more. Carolina Pliskova, a huge favorite over Barthol. Um, I'm not going to ask about Margarita Gasparian because I'm just sick of talking about her. Um, let's see. Jessica Pagula is a plus 120 to Andrea Pekovic, minus 160. I don't... This to me looks like a spot where I, I, is, do we know if Pekovic has made the main draw in any of those bigger ter- bigger events? Is her ranking high enough, or is she gonna? Is this a look ahead spot maybe? Uh, I think that this is a spot where not just a look ahead. I think she. I definitely. I think she has to play qualies in Madrid. Um, tennis team doesn't have the qualies list up yet, but they do have the main draw up and the cutoff. Um, does not have her on it. The cutoff is at 51 in ranking. Um, Cornet and Gavrilova got in thanks to Venus withdrawal and Sharapova withdrawal. So 54 is the cutoff. Um, Cornet is now in, by the way, so that changes Rabat as well. Um, but Petkovic might have to play next week. So you've got the look ahead, but that really only applies. She could still win this match, lose her second one, and make qualies, right? Um, 
But I think this is an in intriguing kind of Petkovic is a favorite on clay. Therefore, I'm going to fade her spot. Uh, that was exactly my thinking. And I like uh, Pagula. She's a nice young player. She's got a big, strong serve that should help her out a little bit. I don't know what her movement's like or you know her knowledge necessarily. Um, looking Where at was some... it that we watched her push Mardich? Was it Charleston? I think it was Charleston. She was she was good against a good clay quarter in that match. She did not look uh, too out of place. Charleston's yes. a little quicker though than this tournament, right? Yeah, and it's green. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seventeen and eleven at lower levels, but you know, against an average rank of four hundred, so you know, she hasn't really had a chance to test herself. But that was exactly what I was looking—a good chance to maybe fade Pekovic. Anything to add, spread? I kind of like Pekovic here. I won't be joining you guys on the fade. I think that the she's much more comfortable on the clay i think her game kind of fits it more and i think like you said pegula's got a big serve but i think it'll be neutralized a bit by the surface and just the time zones you know pekovich should be more comfortable i like pekovich in this spot all right moving on here a little bit um kuzmova pretty big favorite minus 275 over anna carolina schmedlova oh. Um, Lova <laughs> doesn't have the worst numbers on clay, but I heard you make a no noise, Jorge. What do you think? Uh, I saw her. I I saw her number for the outright. I was so happy, and I I was like, okay, I'm noting this down. This is going to be my first one for Prague on the Network podcast this week. I'm excited to talk to the guys about it. Then I pull up the draw, and she's playing Kuzmova, and I'm like, damn it! I love weeks before Madrid at an international small event. This is a neighboring country. Uh, Prague and, and Bratislava are extremely close. I remember I took, uh, you could take a boat from Prague to Bratislava in like an hour. Um, so it, they're close. She's This is basically a hometown tournament for her. Uh, I really wanted to play her, but I can't against Kuzmova, which sucks. I was, I just, that looks like a, like a big underdog price. I don't know why she's that is, such a big dog. I mean, that is too 200. big of a price. It is. Yeah. It's dog or pass there. You can't play Kuzmova at that You price. can't play Kuzmova here, no. Yeah, I'm going to end up probably taking the spread. I don't see what that is. But if that's four and a half games, I'll take some Schmedlova plus four and a half and sprinkle the money line. Um, the other spot I was looking at doing that maybe was Jakupovic is plus 275 against Siniakova. Um I don't think Siniakova has shown me anything to, to indicate she should be minus 400 over just about anybody. What do you think, Spread? I like Jakupovic there, too. Siniakova, she played so great at the end last year, and she just has not found it this year. So I would, I'm not interested in backing her at all. And if you're giving me more than plus 200 with a competent player, Jakupovic, I, I like that spot. What do you think, Jorge? Uh, I'm going to pass here as well. Um, not a lot of great takes for me on, on Prague. Uh, well, I think both tournaments this week, I think after the first round, everything's going to be so much cl more clear. You're gonna, uh, yeah. Who's there to play? Who's there to get the check? Who's looking ahead to next week? I think that this is one of the tournaments where this is hard to do this podcast today, but if we were to do it like Tuesday night or Wednesday, I think we could, we'd be a lot, you know, more lucid with our, with our takes. Yeah. And you know what? I, I think that with certain factor with Madrid coming up next week, there's just a lot of, not necessarily uncertainty, but, uh, uh, it's a wrench thrown in. No, it does have that week right? before slam feel. I mean, you right. know, I know it's not a slam, but it kind of has that feel where, like, you know, I don't like playing the week before and the week after slams usually because um, you have no idea these players' mental states going in, you know, whereas last week, you know, we kind of knew, like, okay, if you're here, you're going to try hard because you even got the week off before Madrid. And, yeah, I think it's a tough spot. But 
to Noob's point, Sinikova has been her current form. I mean, they're laying that number off her name only. Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. I'm gonna pass here though as well. Same same deal with Buzarnescu. I haven't been able to get a hold on Sinikova's handicapping. This is also a week, folks, where you want to watch. <coughs> pardon me, as much tennis as possible. Uh, tape study uh, will be an important part of your handicap this week. As as Spread said, you've got to watch and see what they look like on court, how motivated they look, the body language, um, the attitude, that kind of thing is is going to be relevant in your handicap uh, because of the situational factors. Um, I think one I want to I want to quickly throw out there. There is one line, and I know I said I see her in the final, so this seems kind of counterintuitive. But on a from a pure you know look at this match on its own merits, I'm not sure how Potapova is a plus 420 dog, even to Sevastova. She's I think she had a clay title last year. She's clearly comfortable on it. She's an up and comer. Um, I think I'm going to take a like plus five and a half or plus six spread there. Um, I, that's just a lot of games for for a young, one of the top young players in the game who's actually pretty good on the on the dirt. Uh, I know it'll be tough to deal with the junk ball, especially because she she won't have seen it very much at her young age. But uh, I, I definitely think that there's there's a case to be made for her to yeah, to the, cover five five or six games. The other thing I would add is make sure you um, make that wager to book with good retirement rules. I think Potapova retired last week. Um, I'm not sure if she's actually well, injured, but she definitely dropped out. The spread gives you the uh, all, they all void spreads, right? So yeah, just double check. Complete. Um, so I mean, that's that's another advantage to the spread is that you don't have to worry about uh, losing your bet like the money line um, for a one set bookie. Uh, but yeah, maybe the in, it's probably the injury because she opened at plus two ninety five and then jumped to plus four twenty. So someone. Uh, Probably saw that loss to Kozlova and said, oh, she she looks hurt and just pounded Sevastova at like minus whatever to, to kill the price. But I just I, I think that that's a lot of value. And if you play the spread, you're protected. It's kind of like retirement insurance. Yeah, yeah and very like rarely is like a huge favorite like that. One of the most interesting matches in the first round. But I think that's what's the case here um, because you pointed out Potapova is a very uh, solid clay player. That's the, that's the surface that I'm looking to back her on um, because I think that she has great ground strokes and her serve isn't really there yet. I hope it does get there, but I don't think it's really there yet. And I think the clay kind of neutralizes that. But then, you know, what's the thing that we always say? Beware of fading Sevastova against the really young players because they're the ones that, you know, have as much trouble uh, trying to react and, and adjust to all the different looks that Sevastova will give you with the different spans and her ability to change pace. And Sevastova has a sneaky good serve for how, how short she is. Um, but at plus 400 or more, I almost think it's, it's worth a look. Um, I'm almost tempted to only play the money line there. I'd be worried that she also gets blown off the court, which would make me, you know, normally do the spread and the money line and almost think, you know, just a point two unit on the, on the on the money line there because if she, you know she's playing great she wins i think if it's, it's close you know i really like the potapova there where sebastian just blows her off the court though yeah I, I like the dog there as well um so it was just about it for first round matchups anything else you guys want to touch on in prague before we jump into robot no it's really one Excellent. So we move into Morocco, where last year Elise Mertens beat Alia Tamjanovic in the final. Pavlyuchenkova beat Chiavone the year before that. In 2016, Tamea Bashinsky beat Marina mm -hmm. Eric 
Arakovich. I don't know who that is. Oh uh, my goodness, Arakovich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate I hate watching her play tennis. Well, that's good. It doesn't seem like she's played much tennis. I've never heard that name before. Um, <laughs> so Merton Tier, the defending champion, is the number one seed, and um, she's done a pretty good job of letting us down so far this year. I think we've taken her outright in just about every clay tournament, but I think Jorge's going to step up to bat and swing again. What do you think? I mean, I think that they did one hell of a job suckering me into taking Elise Mertens. I thought she'd be a comparable price to Pliskova, even with her clay losses. There's just not a lot that's going to, especially in her half of the draw in particular, there's not a lot that's going to push her. Uh, or there's not, there aren't many people, I should word that differently, that are going to push her. Um, last year's finalist is in the bottom half. Bashinsky is probably one of the premier players in the bottom half. Mardich is a great clay player coming but she'll be off a long week but even she's in the bottom half um you know someone annoying like Laura Arabarena who's actually shown some decent uh form this year she's in the bottom half uh who's pushing Elise Mertens here Suckery maybe um I, I think the price at at uh six to one at bet three six five is actually worth a play here and then go to the bottom half and, and take someone there as well um if you want the higher odds and i think you can find them but um elise merton's at, at that price even with the form it's it's so hard to to say she doesn't win this uh one of every seven times she plays it uh she took a wild card to get in here which tells me much like garcia earlier in the year and it didn't work for garcia let that be known before i make this next point but she took the she's a wild card at this tournament even as a defending champion so clearly she had said, okay, my ranking's high enough now. I'm only playing the major big tournaments. Um, and I think her two losses and two clay events so far this year kind of had her going over to the organizers saying, hey, I'm a big name. I'm your defending champion. I need a wild card. I, I need to gain some form. So I think the motivation is actually there for Mertens, even ahead of, uh, of Madrid and Rome. So just want to apologize to anyone holding a ticket for um, Jorge to take as a Danzig future. You finally lost. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Spread? Are you disappointed to hear um, uh, Jorge talk about the top half of the draw for that long and not say Zidancic's name once? I mean, she hasn't really had the best form this year. We've been kind of, you know, riding her off last year's results, but now that the clay season started, if we were just to isolate 2019, she's not really standing out um, form-wise the way that Jorge and I watch, and I'm don't know for sure, but I would guess that your numbers aren't really too impressive with her either. So, not really all that surprised. She has a tough match in the first round against the fiery Yulia Putineva. So, uh, no, not surprised at all. Good use of fiery there. Putineva is one of our favorite players to watch, especially when she wins. But I think you hit the nail here on the head, Jorge. Yeah, she's up there with Ostapenko and Best Gifts. <laughs> yeah i'm in love with yulia Putinseva. i love her i love her she's i just love the passion like that fed cup celebration as yeah. someone as someone who also is just like that i have the exact same personality if i'm playing on the road and the fans are getting on me and they're really supporting the other player i'm gonna win that match i'm gonna turn to my bench which is also turning to the crowd and i'm just gonna give her like i am going to go crazy because it makes me happy to know that they're going home unhappy. You know what I mean? Because they were rooting against me. If you root against me, I'm going to get bitter. Like, absolutely. I love her for that. 
Well, all that aside, I think you hit the nail on the head here, Jorge. Mertens is the clear favorite in this top half. I, I can't see any value here from an outright perspective besides maybe her at 6-1. to one. What do you think, Spread? Uh, no, I disagree there. I'm not, not really that impressed with Mertens. Like you said with Garcia, I mean, just because they take the wild card and they want to play well doesn't necessarily mean that they will. Um, the outright that I was looking at here, I'm pulling it back up. I've gone to that Mertens page to see her head-to-head against Flipkins. Um, this is a, this is a really bad week for outrights <laughs> overall. I don't I don't really like it at all. No, I, I kind of agree. Looking at the top half, I think it is kind of a Mertens or pass situation. I was thinking about maybe since Zidancic at 25 to one, but if Jorge's not even going to try to do that, how could I even justify it? Um, it's too short. It is. So let's dive. Well, in. honestly, that might be the best one. I mean, if you're forcing me to pick one. That might have the most value out of all of them. Probably, but, you know, value isn't always necessarily good. So let's jump into the bottom half. Was there anybody there you like, Spread? Um, is your fun weighing in the bottom half? Yes. Yes, yeah, she, has she is. Match. She has a tough draw, though. But I kind of like your fun weighing if I have to take one. And the other one that I was looking at, and I know we haven't gotten to the first round matches yet, but I'm sure we'll get there real soon. Uh, I think Hercog might have a good chance to upset Martich mm. there in the first round off the fatigue fader. Well, I don't think Martich is even going to show up. I, my my guess is that you know she just won the tournament. Either she just passes altogether. You're right. You know comes out. It isn't necessarily her best in the in that first round match. Um, that yeah. was interesting at twelve to one. What do you think? Good point. She probably will withdraw. She, she's still a dog though, guys. I got her at plus one twenty nine last night, which was absurd. Um, this is Hercog and. This today she's still a dog. Mardich played like how many three setters this week? She played that marathon against Kiki. She played a three setter today. Uh, she's I don't know how she's a favorite against Herzog. I think she's well, probably she's a better, so much better though. She is a better player. Not so much. She's a better clay court player. But I mean, when you consider how important those factors are, like we see, we see plus two fifty dogs winning all the time. Um, against players like Jay Clark beating Jordan Thompson, for instance, last week when Thompson played a long week and traveled. Uh, that was a lot more travel, America to China, but even still, he didn't play the full, full week. So I have no idea how Herzog's a, a dog here when you, again, context, when you contextualize the information we have at our disposal. There's no way she should be a dog. That has to be a play. If Mardich withdraws, fine, it's a push. Who cares? You get your money back, but you made the right play. There's value on her down to minus 125, minus 135 even. Um, this is it's it's an atrocious line from the bookmakers, uh, and and you have to play it if you if you're a tennis better. Totally agree. That that's a great price on Herzog, and I like that pick from an outright perspective. Spread it at twelve to one. I don't see much resistance in, in her little bit of the draw here. Um, well, Tom Jonovich he give her problems, and I think that she'll she'll be a dog to whoever comes out of the bottom quarter. Yeah, for sure. But twelve to one's not a bad number, even considering. Um, well, I don't know. What do you think, Jorge? Who comes out of the bottom half of the of, uh, or I guess the bottom quarter here of this half? I have um, the one outright I also had circled was Cornet at twenty five to one, yes. but I know she hasn't played on clay yet. That's yeah. That was what our discussion was uh, leading into our recording. Was um, I actually really like Cornet's price considering she's got Bogdan, and then um, I agree with Spread. I think of all the of all the Chinese players to take a step forward this year on clay, I think it'll be uh, Yafan, but. Um, there's no guarantee she beats Conta, and then it, either way, I think Cornet has the game. Um, you know, playing that defensive style gets to a lot of balls. I think she's got the game. 
to beat either of those women on clay. Um, and then Zvonareva, Gavrilova, don't worry me. Sue Shea doesn't worry me. Potentially Arbre. But I think that bottom quarter, if you play it as Cornet, I'm actually going to pass just because she hasn't played on the dirt yet. Uh, Isn't that season. bottom quarter just hardcore specialists? The, the bottom four matches? Yeah. It just, it's, it's just funny how they all got grouped together there. I, I'm just, yeah, for me it's uh, it's like a no thanks um, because you haven't you haven't gotten used to the clay yet. For me, the third quarter is where I'd look. Uh, you guys mentioned Herzog. I I think Bashinsky at uh, anything over ten to one um, or eleven point oh oh in European odds is um, is value. Uh, Larson might be a tough first match, but just doesn't have enough to beat Bashinsky in my mind. Bashinsky plays the same style, but she's in you know way way better. Uh, Tomjanovic would be my one worry. Um, uh, I think the problem with this draw for me is all the numbers that I like are all in that quarter. Other than Mertens, I like Herzog. I like Golubic at 50-1. to 1. If she can get by Peterson, um, you know, she's not a terrible look at, at that number. Uh, Bashinsky's number I like, and Tomjanovic is a finalist here last year. So for me, I think it's going to be um, play the chalk again like I did with Kvitova. And just play Mertens and, and let the bottom half sort itself out, or wait till we get to the second round when, you know, potentially Golubic is out, and then either Herzog or Martic is out, uh, or maybe the quarters and, and start playing those as single matches um, when it when the picture becomes clearer. Yeah, I think all that makes a lot of sense. Anything else to add, spread from an outright perspective before we jump into these first round matchups? Yeah, the yeah. two that I like are Tom Janovic and Yafan Wang here. Yeah, that's it. Wang's interesting. I didn't like her draw. Twenty-eight to one. She has a bad draw, but I don't know. I like the price. I like getting a talented player at a huge price, even if she has a tough draw. I mean, even if you're looking at bad names, usually for players to advance, you know that you think aren't as good. You know, usually they're in great form for them to advance. So you're gonna have to play some great tennis to win, regardless. I like uh, Wang at twenty-eight to one. Yeah, that did, I was hoping for a little bit of better better number there. I'm going to watch. I mean, she could lose in the first round, too. I mean, if Conta beats her, would you be that surprised? No, not at all. All right, let's jump into some first-round matchups here. Uh, the first one I'm looking at, it, this, this line moved quite a bit. Um, Yulia Putin save a minus 125 against Tamara Zidancic, who's minus 110. I believe you got some pretty good closing line value there, didn't you, Jorge? Yeah, I got plus 103. Uh, she opened, I think, plus 106 or plus 107. Um, gosh, it's a tough match. These are two of my favorite players. One of my, one is one of my favorites overall, and the other one is one of my favorite clay players. Like, you know what I'll be watching when this match is on, right? Like, you know which match my WTA TV will be on. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I think that Putin Seva is much better against the bigger hitters where she can redirect the pace and, and kind of wait out errors. I'm not sure uh, she has enough to beat Zidancic. Uh I think Zidancic is much better on clay. Putin Seva actually had a decent run at the French last year and you know plays 500 tennis on the clay uh, or somewhere in that area. But uh, Zidancic is, is someone that's much, she's more of a hard quarter. Zidancic's more of the clay quarter. So I think that uh, uh, when you get it, even at minus 110 to pick them, I think she should be like minus 135, minus 140. I think there's value in Zidancic's number even still. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. What do you think, Spready? You jumping on board? Uh, this is a tough one. It's a no play for me. If you want me to break it down, I like if I have to bet it, I'm betting Putin Seva just off current form. But um, just with Zidancic's clay court prowess, I'm not really 
excited to go ahead and wager some of my money on this match. And and just uh, again to this is another tournament that plays three rounds of uh, of qualification, so we don't have the qualifiers placed yet. That will happen once they finish up tomorrow, which is Monday. Um, we're recording on Sunday here. Uh, yeah, so when you're going to place your outrights, let's note that I think three qualifier spots in the top half, one in the bottom half to play Tomjanovic. But there aren't that many players other than, again, a young player like Olga Danilovic, um, who really should bother a lot of these players. Like Barra's a clay quarter, but not that good. Bonaventure's not that great on clay. Greet Minin is, you know, again probably a tier below WTA level. Fiona Farrow is decent. She could trouble someone. Danilovic is very good. She could trouble someone. Um, but then Lepchenko, Oz, again, like these types of names, um, it's not like Prague where you really have to worry about if I take a player on an outright, is Swiatek going to land right in her section? Um, so just note that I wouldn't be nearly as concerned, although Danilovic would scare me if she gets by Nicolescu. Yeah, I like, I like that. That was a really good breakdown. Um, flipping through the matches here some more. So spread, you like Wang's outright price. What do you think about her plus 175 against Joe Conta in the first round? I think it's a great price. I mean, I think it should be like plus 120, plus 130. I like it. Sounds like Jorge wow. agrees. Yeah, I, I hadn't even, uh, I hadn't gotten to, I don't think that match was up yet when I was uh, going over and putting my plays up last night. Uh, I knew she'd be a dog, did not think she'd be plus 175. I think she showed glimpses last year. She's, you know, below 500 on clay, but I think she showed glimpses of, of being half decent. She's young and uh, she's she's getting better and she's got the that kind of well-rounded game that should do well on clay. She's just got to get more matches under her belt, you know, see how the, you know, how the ball bounces higher off the ground, get used to the spins and, and the reaction of the ball to the surface. And I think she'll get a... a She'll be a lot better. I think this year, um, she's one that you might find some some decent value on as a as a big underdog in certain matches. This maybe being one of them. Totally. Right. And I think she has everything that you're looking for in an underdog, and that mm -hmm. she has the potential to play much better than what she's priced at. So just yep. the fact that she's young, you know, she's obviously being priced off the numbers from last year, but seeing what we've seen of her so far, we can already see that she's a greatly improved player. So she has the potential to play above what the price point is. And you get to fade Joe Conta on clay. What more could yeah. you ask for? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, that's the other thing is if you're, if you're going to fade a player, you almost always want an underdog who is good on the surface. And to me, I think this is a gray area because I don't think Yifan Wong is nearly as bad as last year she was on clay. And it wasn't, she wasn't terrible. She just wasn't good. Um, I think she's, she's better, and I think we're going to see that. And you know what? Sometimes... You have to go with what information you have, and sometimes you, you have to beat the bookies to making these realizations, right? This is where the value is found, is kind of trying to break these things down to the nitty-gritty and, and being ahead of the books on realizing that Wong might be um, a much better clay player than she used to be. And I think an interesting spot here is Kanta kind of reminds me of Kerber is when you look at her game, you would think that she would be pretty good on yes. clay. It's really surprising that she's not. So it must be the, the sliding... And 100 that's the only thing I can think of when it, when you get these great baseliners that just can't play on clay. 100%. The movement for her, she looks awkward even on, on hards and grass. Uh, she doesn't take efficient routes to the ball in my mind. She certainly doesn't have a lot of foot speed, uh, and she's not a great slider. And You're 100% right. I think that really throws her up even more on clay. 
Yeah, I think that's going to be a great spot to grab the and, underdog and buy low. And, 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 and now that you mention that, see, this is also why I like discussing plays in, in our group chat as well. It also, that, that matchup could be good for Wong in that sense because Wong is very solid off both wings. One of my favorite parts of her game is that she's got a good forehand she's got a, and she's got a very solid backhand. Not anything, you know, like that, that's going to rip winners consistently, but she doesn't make as many errors as so many women on tour do with her backhand. And I think, you know, on both wings, she can move Conta side to side, and that will really, really uh, put the matchup in her favor if she can, if she can execute that strategy. I think that she she beats Joe in this match. Moving on to the next match, we beat the heck out of Martic and Hercog already. We're all over Hercog, uh, Herzog actually. I, I guess is the way that Jorge says it. Is I'll try to do that correctly going forward. Um, not too much else right now from my vantage point on the first round prices I'm looking at. Um, Tatiana Maria is minus 500 for some reason, but I have no idea who Isabella Shinikova is. Yeah. Um, you know, Alice yeah, Van Uvank is, is minus 190 over Pauline Parmentier. That's a live dog for me, actually, in Parmentier, yeah. just because, you know, she has the pedigree on clay a little bit, and AVU is not good on, on actual outdoor real clay. Um, any other first round matchups that stuck out to you guys that you want to touch on here before we wrap up? I hate to be a spoiler here, but I think Flipkins has value against Mertens in round one. Shut up. <laughs> I do. I just don't like the way that Mertens playing right now. What's Flipkins at like? I know, and I just don't like. I just don't like the things you're saying right now. It might not be the worst over spot. I don't see what I mean, the total really, is, honestly, but my I'm guess is it's less than twenty. I'm betting against Mertens there. No, I know. I don't. But kidding. Flipkins is when you're trying to fade someone. Flipkins is the type of player that you want because yeah. she's consistent. So if Mertens isn't playing well. Flipkins can just become a wall and just get the ball back and let Mertens beat herself. So I don't even know if I will bet it, but it did, it did stand out to me that that was a potential uh, big money, money long, money line dog. Um, if, Nupsi, if, if you oh, did ahead. beat the over, uh, if you bet the over on this and it finished under to Flipkins, that would be one of my favorite beats of all time. Well, we'll see if we can make it happen. <laughs> uh, one other match I think we should discuss is uh, Gabrielova versus uh, Sue Shea. That's right. Gavrilova was plus 160. I was a little surprised she was such a big dog. I mean, neither actually really have good results That's on clay from what though, I'm right? saying. I mean, she hasn't played very well at all this year, has she? No. No, Gavrilova's not played well, but neither one of these is, is really a big clay player, at least in terms of what I'm looking at from a numbers perspective. I expected Gavrilova to be much better, but nothing really to get too excited about from my perspective. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to bet it either. I just thought it was an interesting match, you know. Um, kind of two players going in different directions. Gavrilova hasn't done that well this year. And Sue Shea, by being Osaka a couple times now, has kind of made a name for herself. And Well, she didn't beat her that one time, but she pushed her real close. But Yeah, it's. I think that everything that Shea does is sets up nicely to beat Gavrilova, who is good for a meltdown and start hitting errors. And as soon as you start doing that, Shea is just going to kill you. Um, it's going to be a I, spot. If Gavrilova yeah. goes to, to just wall mode and just starts hitting the ball back and doesn't try and hit winners, I think it could be a very, very interesting match. That's true. It could be a solid three hours, so look forward yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so fade, fade whoever wins that in the second round, right? That's well, right. One other thing I'm on is uh, Aro Barena over Zvonareva. Um, I'm not sure where the price is right now. Do you have that in front of you, Noopsy? I, I got do, it. minus 135. I got it evens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, there you. it is. I knew that last night I knew the CLV for a lot, a lot of these tournaments because, again, the lack of liquidity. I, I think that um, a lot of these tournaments, we're going to see the lines move. 
and so I tried to hit them. Um, yeah, I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing minus one fifteen at Pinnacle. I got it at one one point nine nine, which is even money minus one hundred one, um, and now it's at minus one fifteen. So there's still value offshore. Your book is screwing you royally because yeah, that's bet three six five. So it's bet three six five is minus one forty. Yeah, minus uh, one thirty five. It's I saw actually one thirty eight oh. maybe even, but yeah, um, it's yeah minus one fifteen. I don't mind that at all. But look at every other book on Odds Portal. The ones I use, I use One X Bet. I just signed up for Bet Hard. Um, they take Canadians, and they have really easy Interact payments. And Interact is like our, our bank payment, so nice. I'm pretty happy about that. Um, but One X Bet minus one fifteen, Bet Hard minus one twenty, Pinnacle minus one fifteen, Unibet uh, minus one twenty three or so. So Bet three six five is the outlier here. Um, you know that's not great for customers or for betters, but. I think that they're the one book that has this even close to accurate. <laughs> I totally agree. That minus 115 is a great number. I'll grab that. Yeah. Um, so the the CLV is not as great as I thought. But if I was at bet 365, I'd have a ton. <laughs> that's right. All right, guys. I, th I think that's just about it unless you have anything else. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, please be sure if you like the podcast, give us a rating, give us a review. That always helps us out. and We really appreciate it. Um, and have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers. <laughs>